Hey friends, I know how busy this time of the year is. And as much as I love home-cooked meals, sometimes there is just not enough time. But I have good news for you. Factor offers delicious, ready-to-eat meals, which can make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with your pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. There are two-minute meals, so you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They have snacks and smoothies and more. There's a wide variety of options and 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that will help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So head over to factormeals.com forward slash swanson50 and use code swanson50 to get, you guessed it, 50% off. That's code Swanson50 over at factormeals.com forward slash Swanson50, and you're going to get 50% off. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Yay for that. I'll be linking over in show notes as well, but go check it out and tell me how you enjoy your Factor meals. Christian Parenting. Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. wild generosity in a moment where the beast of jealousy begins to overtake you, that is really the antidote. And, and it, it's, it feels like a death to yourself because it is uh, to do that. But if you want to have that jealousy be overtaken, that is the way to do it. So, you know, I think we have to put off in that moment what feels good for what's going to feel better after a while. Aloha, friends, and welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm always so happy to spend this time with you, and I'm really happy to share today's interview with you. You were just listening to a short clip from Lisa Whittle, who you're probably familiar with, but Lisa is an incredible author, a podcaster, a speaker. She is a godly, wise woman, and she has a brand new book out called The Hard Good, Showing Up for God to Work in You When All You Want to Do is shut down. And this book is something I believe that will touch your life no matter what season you're in, because let's just face it, life is hard and we all go through hard seasons. If you're not in one now, then I would encourage you to be preparing for the next one because they come and go and God is faithful. But some of the perspectives in this book are so encouraging and inspiring. I just think you'll love it. But Lisa's really sharing some of the nuggets from her book and her life today in this interview. So I think 
you're going to be blessed by everything that she shares. Now, before we dive into the interview, I want to pause for a quick moment to tell you about something that's coming up that I'm super excited about. Now, you may know that this podcast is hosted, produced, edited, all that by the amazing people at Christian Parenting. I've been so blessed to team up with Christian Parenting for over a year now. And some of you might remember last fall and last spring, I was a part of an online digital speaking event called Perfectly Imperfect Parenting Event. And there were incredible speakers, lots of big names. I was super honored to be a part of it. Well, there's another one. Their third digital event is coming up on October 15th and 16th. And you guys are not going to want to miss it. Now, just remember, there is strength in numbers. We were not made to parent alone. It truly takes a village to raise kids who know and love God. This particular event is covering topics that every parent wants to know. And tell me how relatable these questions are. Like every parent wants to know, how do I help my child with their fears? How do I raise my daughter to have a healthy body image? How do I raise justice-minded kids? How do I pray effectively for my children? How do I navigate teaching my kids about money? You guys, there's so many good topics that all relate to things every parent wants to know. And at this two-day event, you're going to hear from some really great speakers like Christine Kane, Anthony Evans, Jess Connolly, Ashley Abercrombie, and many more. So you can grab your tickets today at perfectlyimperfect.org. And you can spend those two days at the comfort of your own home computer, uh, watching the event, grabbing the speakers, and then you'll have some time, a couple months, I believe, to go through the speakers. So there's no rush to get through it all in one weekend. But oh, the last few events have been so good. Now this one, I will not be speaking in um, but I'll be watching. I will be listening. I just had to um, take sit this one out as I'm really trying to get work done on my upcoming book, and I know my limits. And so I'm just going to be taking in everybody else's wisdom. But man, these are some great people. So I hope you can be a part of it. Again, go over to perfectlyimperfect.org and get your tickets now, and I don't think you'll regret it. So guys, without further ado, I want to dive into this interview. Again, lots of encouragement ahead. You might want to grab a paper and pen, but there will always be notes and links to anything that Lisa and I talk about over at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 124. That's right. Episode 124. Thanks for being here, guys. I hope you enjoy this interview and I'll have a few final words to say at the end. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Hi. Nice to be hey. here. Thanks. It's super exciting to get to talk to you. Um, like so many people, I've followed you online for a long time, and it's just really a privilege to get to share your latest work that is so relatable to all of us with the world. We're going to be talking about your book, The Hard Good, showing up for God to work in you when you want to shut down. And Wow, I know a lot of women out there are going to um, relate to your message. Um, before we dive in and chat about the hard good of life, can you just introduce yourself, tell everyone where you are, and a little bit about you and your family? Sure. live in North Carolina, and I have for, gosh, 26 years, which is as long as I've been married. And um, we have three kids. We have our two oldest are boys. So I know something mm -hmm. about being a boy mom yep. and uh, youngest is a girl and getting ready to take her to college. And so been parenting for 
over 20 years and um, living that that life as well. And then been writing for a long time and, uh, you know, uh, pour into mentorship with young ministry people and people who want to write and speak as well, which also can be ministry. And then, um, yeah, so all of those kinds of things that I do on top of writing and speaking myself. Wow. So does this mean you're going to be an empty nester for the first time? <laughs> well, Ooh. I would be, but <laughs> we actually have our um, middle son who is in uh, at the university here in our city who it lives at home because he okay. is saving money. So well, we're not, smart young man. Yeah, yeah, he is smart. <laughs> so we're not we're not empty nesters actually. And our oldest son got married in June and he and his wife actually live on our property in another um in another dwelling. So we are Okay, we're, now that is a dream. Sorry, but it, that's <laughs> that's pretty special. It was a dream of mine for sure, but we didn't know if it would ever come true. Honestly, it was one I'd really given up to the Lord, but we have a a really neat ministry barn in the back of our on the back of our property which was a, a really unexpected blessing. And so we renovated part of it and made it into an apartment. And um, that will be ha- that will house ministry folks. Um, in the future, but for a year, they're going to live there. So that's pretty neat. Uh, I love that. That's kind of a dream of mine. But um, what a fun season you're in. And, you know, you've had a lot of years of raising kids and writing and doing ministry. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this new book, The Hard Good, and how, what, maybe what led up to it and just the story behind it? Well, The Hard Good, it's really kind of a three-part book process that the Lord put on my heart. Um, The first one was Jesus Over Everything, then The Hard Good, and then a forthcoming book in about two years that I'll write. But uh, The Hard Good was certainly a part of that process that I felt very compelled to write. In 2017, my father died in early 2017, and he was... Oh, he was my favorite person in the world, but also really kind of complicated and uh, a pastor. And and so I had had a front row seat my whole life to watching a man who was wildly talented and gifted and God used greatly for the kingdom of God, but also struggled a lot. And so I really felt like the Lord was um, saying to me after after he died, Lisa, what are you going to do with all you know? And I didn't feel like it was a call for more busyness or more, you know, to add more things to my plate. I really, really sensed that it was a call to talk about what happens when someone allows God to use the hard things in their life to shape them in a very unique way to be kingdom usable and also in the same vein, have the most fulfilling life because the life that is the most kingdom usable is the most fulfilling life. Mm. And what it looks like when you don't do that. And I was at the same time studying, actually, ironically, uh, in First Samuel, the life of King Saul, who, as we know, um, God also used in a great way. And in some ways, he united tribes, he prophesied, he, he served over 40 years, God anointed and appointed him to his position. But every time it got uncomfortable for him, he ran and he hid and he, mm-hmm. he didn't allow God to take him through that process. And so I really had this kind of front row seat to what happens when you lean into the good in your heart in your life and allow God to make it good and what happens when you don't. And so I wanted to talk about that because we can all relate to hard things, 
What does it look like when you allow God to use them for his type of good, not culture's definition of good, but God's good. Right. And so that's really what the book is all about. Yeah. Oh, and it's and it's so good. And just that first chapter just drew me in. Uh, your heart, your relationship with your dad sounds so special. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Like, I mean, dads are special, but it sounds like there was something really unique between the two of you that went back back as you know as far as your childhood, right? Yeah, we we really did have a unique and special relationship. I mean, I think every daddy's girl feels that way. So um, perhaps it wasn't, but I, I do think there was something that God allowed to be particularly unique with us so that I could write this today. Mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. very, um, when he died, I knew there was a call and it was beyond just a father-daughter call. I knew there was a legacy piece there. I knew uh, that I was going to have to sort through with the Lord's help, legacy and DNA, which I talk about in chapter 10, which for a lot of people, not just me, but for a lot of people is very, very difficult because what we tend to do, and I talk about this actually more in the Bible study portion of the hard good, which I also have. Talk about one some things we do with with our legacy and our DNA is we tend to do two things: we either decorate it or we disown it. So we want to decorate it, and we want to remember it better than what it was. Mm -hmm. So we decorate it, or yeah. we want to disown it, and we want to distance ourselves from it. And what's really powerful is when we when we begin to see it for what it is, we begin to allow the Lord to work in us in those pieces, and say, what, what now, what can, what can God do through this? And so I, I had to sort through a lot of that. Who am I outside of my father? Because people would say, wow, you're so much like him. And what they meant was this great compliment of like, I see some charisma there. I see the, you know, the giftings that are similar. Mm -hmm. I even see similar mannerisms, but for what I heard so many times was, um, I see that you're going to have a very hard time in ministry too. You're going to have a public ministry fall like your father, which is what happened to him. And what it did was it terrified me to go into any type of ministry because I thought, will I become that? And so I think those things made it very unique. Yeah. Wow. That is so interesting. And I think you do such a great job in the book of, of just painting that picture so I, I really love that. I have a, a great relationship with my father, but but I totally understand and and think that so many of us um, can see our parents as we get older, as we grow up and mature, we see them in a different light and start to understand them as real people, real humans that are complicated and a little bit messy. Yeah. And I, I think, Monica, too, is really important for me in the beginning to explain the depth of my relationship with my father because later on in the book, I talk about things like uh, showing up when you want to shut down and opening your heart back up. And I wanted people to know this does not come from a person who just naturally opens their heart up. Mm, right. This does not come from a person who just had this sort of, you know, good relationship with her father, but it, it just didn't go that deep. And so of course she's going to accept her mom's new husband into the relationship right. after she's been fathered by someone else for 46 years. Yeah, I wanted people to know, no, this came through tears and prayers and it was labor and, but it's possible. 
And I just wanted people to know that. I wanted people to know the depth because I want to honor people's hard struggles. I don't want them to to hear there was a bow on this. This is easy. Right. This is, you know. Yeah. And so that's why that was even important. Mm-hmm. So, so good. What I love is woven throughout this book is just so many nuggets of wisdom that are going to apply to any of our hard good. Because the hard good is going to come, you know, look different for each of us depending on our life circumstances. But you do talk about how as Christians, we're all created for one purpose. Can you tell us? what that one purpose is? Yeah, the purpose is in Matthew 28, and mm-hmm. it's to go and make disciples. I, I love that because it's an equalizer, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's also something we miss because what the, what happens a lot is, and I hear women tell me this all the time, people say this all the time, you know, I just don't know what my purpose is. And, and, and I understand that. I really, really do. But what I think we feel is that you know, there's some treasure chest of purpose somewhere. And we were the unfortunate ones that did not get the memo on how to find the map to that, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone else found it or, you know, other folks have gone on to find it, but we just didn't get the memo. We just didn't get the map. And if only we could. And I, I think if we were to realize that our purpose is set and it's for everyone, then it would take some of the pressure off and also some of the years of wandering, perhaps, I sure, I certainly hope. And instead of that, and I understand that what happens is, you know your purpose, right? It's Matthew 28, go and make disciples. It looks a little bit different for all of us in our daily life. You're in Hawaii, I'm in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So in your circumstance, what you're doing every day, um, your giftings, that's going to look a little bit different, but your purpose is the same as mine. Uh, and so what I, what, I, what I want us to be asking is, am I allowing God to make me the most kingdom usable that he that he can possibly make me while I'm on this earth. And that comes through so many times the road of spiritual transformation through these hard things in our life. Yeah. And yep. so that's really important for us to stop trying to find the map to our purpose mm. and say am I allowing God to use these things to make me usable? And that's where we need to land. I love that. Yeah, you say in the book that God anoints and appoints, but usability is up to you and that you determine how much God will use you. Do you have some thoughts on, you know, for the for the woman sitting in a hard place right now? What what are some first steps? How how can someone start looking for ways to pull out of, you know, questioning everything and what what the purpose might be in this and instead say, God, how can you use me in this? Right. Well, I want to say that, you know, we're, we are all in, in different places. We all are, you know, some of us are in fresh grief. Uh, some of us are in the middle of a really difficult circumstance. And, and I get that. And so I, you know, this is not a one size fits all. We are all very, very different. Um, I think there are some universal things that are helpful. And that is, I think one thing that has always helped me is, to find out if I am in the middle of some stifling what ifs. I talk about this in chapter one, but it's really important. And usually our, our stifling what ifs center around three. And they're what if I, what if they, what if God. 
And, you know, they're, you know, what if I had done this or what if I hadn't done this? It's like, we're trying to turn back the hands of time or what if they, you know, what if, and then what if God, what if God had prevented that? Or what if God had moved in this certain way that I had wanted him to? Mm -hmm. And those things are just generally unhelpful, unanswerable questions that we swim around in a lot and it, and we just can't move forward. And so what I'm suggesting is to check and see where our stifling what ifs are and then ask the Lord to help us move to what is. It's literally one letter shift from what mm-hmm. if to what is, but right. it's but it's monumental. It's what is God? What is now? What is what is here? You know? Mm-hmm. And in that same vein, I think it is also coming to God with a commitment to presence and saying, I'm here. I'm here with open hands and open heart, and I don't have much to offer. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed and said, God, I don't know what you can do with me. I am generally hard to deal with. Um, (laughs) For the most part, um, you know, a wild uh, animal running here and there, and um, I'm frustrated with myself. I feel like I can't get traction. I'm stressed, I'm weary, whatever the case may be, but whatever you can do with this, just will you please? And I just feel like God can just do a lot with that. He can. Yeah. And so that's my best suggestion. I, I love that. And I, I, I love that you just mentioned presence because no matter where you are in the grieving process, if you can just figure out where you're at in that moment and figure out what what you can do in that moment. It doesn't have to be what you're going to do tomorrow or next month, but just how can God be with me right where I'm at right now? Well, and this, this brings me to, you talk a lot about emotions and goodness, we women can be emotional creatures, right? Um, But you do talk, you do talk about, there's a difference between what you call bossy emotions and managed feelings. So can you give us a little insight into that? Yeah, well, I think if we thought for about mm, probably 30 seconds, we could think about our own life when bossy emotions have taken over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but, but on the other end of it, where we've had managed feelings and how much better that feels when we walk away from a situation where we've been with someone and we've allowed the Holy Spirit to manage our feelings. Because the truth is, we can't manage anything without him. Uh, and, uh, you know, bossy emotions are kind of and a greatest example of that is when we uh, are in a situation, maybe with a friend, and we feel this, we feel ourselves being triggered by something they said or, you know, mm-hmm. off the cuff comment or something they didn't say, something an expectation we had they didn't meet, that they didn't even know they were supposed to meet, whatever the case may be. And we react out of that. And, you know, I I like to call it carrying around my mop. And so then I have to try to mop up for whatever I say or however I snap or react or whatever the case may be. And then I live with regret because sometimes those friendships can, they're never the same. You know, they're just never the same. And I think social media has shown us what can happen when bossy emotions take over. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, feelings and emotions are God given. And so otherwise we would be robots. We would, we would just be checklists and robots and we're not, we're, we've given, we've been given this great thing called emotions and feelings. And 
So it would make sense that the best way they operate is under Holy Spirit control and with his directives. Hmm. What happens is, is that in culture, we're being told, just think whatever you want to just feel, however you want to feel. And your responses are fine, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the problem with that is that harms us. So it's just like anything else culture pitches, right? It looks like it would be to our benefit to be able to do whatever we want, say whatever we want, but in the end, it's what really hurts us. And so they uh, they call it being authentic, right? But it doesn't always work the way. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, being authentic is fine and it's great. And I would certainly think I would love to be considered authentic, but here's the thing. You can be authentic under the Holy Spirit's control and you can be the world's authentic if you want. It, you can, we can call it whatever we want, but it is um, your feelings being in a uh, controlling state. And I, I just know what happens when mine have controlled me. So I've heard the phrase that we should treat emotions like a toddler pay attention to them, but don't let them boss you around or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that's super important um, for us as women. And you you go in the book to 10 hard, good circumstances that, again, you know, you share your story, but I think all of us are going to relate to these 10 different hard, good circumstances. And, And you give these awesome little shifts. They're they're so relatable. You talk about how we can navigate each of these circumstances with God and have a completely different outcome. And, and one of them you already touched on, and it's about how when you have to accept something that's not how you want it to be, and you talk about how your defeating what ifs can turn into joy over what is. I, I love that so much. But then there's some other circumstances that you touch on that I think everyone's going to read and be like, oh yeah, I know that one. Um, one of them is cheering for someone when they get what you want. And oh boy, do we all relate to this. Um, What is a good that God can bring out of that? Well, the good is that their gain is no longer your loss. And I think, you know, when we begin to have this sort of kingdom mindset that the Lord Mm. um, is able to give us in this Mm. circumstances, he begins to work on us. And it takes some time, by the way, it's not overnight. Um, we begin to see it as a corporate win and loss situation where uh, I think before when we're not operating in that way, it's it becomes, oh, they gained, I lost. And that feels awful, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you begin to operate in, in, a, in, a, in the way the Lord intended in, in the kingdom focus, it's their loss is our loss and their gain is our gain because it is heaven's gain. It is the kingdom gain. Now that sounds great on paper and it is true, but it's very difficult when you have been laboring for something and someone else gets it. Or when you're the one who is always planning the baby shower and you really want the baby, you know, and um, those things are, are very, very difficult. They're, I mean, they are so, so hard. Um, whatever the thing that someone else gets that you want, it, it, it is, it's just very, very difficult because there's a lot of questions surrounding it. God, why, mm-hmm. you know, why can't I have that? You know, why mm-hmm. do they get that? You know, it's all of those kinds of things. And um, I think there's a there's power in gratitude. I think that mm-hmm. does a lot of shifting, but mm-hmm. also chosen generosity, which you know that is a combat to jealousy. It is a literally it is choosing you know wild 
generosity in a moment where the beast of jealousy begins to overtake you, that is really the antidote. And, and it's, it's, it feels like a death to yourself because it is uh, to do that. But if you want to have that jealousy be overtaken, that is the way to do it. So, um, you know, I think we have to put off in that moment what feels good for what's going to feel better after after a while in the big picture right and and I think again you already touched on social media but that's a place where I think jealousy can become such an issue and yet also an opportunity to be generous and to support others and um, sometimes it takes yeah dying to your own feelings and just doing the right thing which like you said in the big picture is so much better Um, You go through some other circumstances, like uh, from the cover of the book, showing up when you want to shut down. We already talked about some of the emotions there. Um, How about one that, I don't know, it seems a little maybe extra relevant right now, doing something God wants, even when it disappoints others. I feel like we're living in a time where there is so much division. I don't need to even say that. It's like so obvious. But, But we have to make choices for ourselves, for our families, and oftentimes, our friends and family aren't going to agree with whatever it might be. Uh, Do you have some wisdom for those of us walking through that even right now? (laughs) Well, I mean, that is, it is, it's very difficult. I mean, that's why these things are in the book because they are hard. Um, But I, I really think that one of the things that keeps us going in these hard moments where we aren't sure if it's worth it, uh, because that's that's really what it comes down to. It's like, is it worth it for me to make this hard decision? That's what yeah. we weigh as totally. humans. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, to be honest, I mean, I could give practical steps one, two, three. Here's how you disappoint others and do what God says. But the reality is most of us know the one, two, three steps. It's just we're we're in the process of weighing the worth of it. (laughs) That's actually what we're doing. And so here's what I want to make a pitch for, rather than saying, here's your three steps. I want to say this, here's why it's worth it. Because your confidence in future decision-making will rise in you doing what God wants, even when it disappoints others. So what happens is, is as you do this, as you practice this, as you practice saying, okay, God, I'm going to walk in obedience to this decision, even though other people are, don't, not only don't understand it, might even be against it. Mm -hmm. I am going to trust that, that that's going to actually um, produce an inner strength and inner confidence. And again, again, it's not just a, a, a secular confidence. It's a Holy Spirit confidence. I'm going to believe that that's going to produce that so that the next time as I do this again, uh, I will have this surplus, this reservoir of, of confidence in my decision-making because we've done this before because I've been here before and I have this um, these memories of where you've come through for me before and where we've walked this before and I, I think that's you know I think that's what happens when we see people of the faith that we admire mm-hmm. we look at their strength and we say my word how in the world are they doing that most of the time, those folks have practiced Practice. their faith yep. and they have so developed good. this great muscle mm-hmm. and we're, you know, we're watching that um, and we get to see it now. 
But, you know, that is a developed great faith muscle. And um, that's what happens as you do what God wants. You develop that great faith muscle. And then the next time you've got to make a decision. I don't want to say it's easier, but it is it is yeah. familiar. And there is a there's a there's a confidence there. Uh, completely. And to just apply this even to our parenting So often I've told my youngest son, I want you to obey me even when it doesn't make sense because I want to train you to have that heart of obedience because one day it won't be mom's voice. It won't be dad's voice. I want you to hear God's voice and to be so used to obeying, not blindly, not with, you know, don't, you know, this is all with wisdom and and the Holy Spirit's guidance, like you said, but um, I think that it is a muscle and that the more we practice obeying God and, and walking really in the fear of God and not in the fear of man, which is, I suppose what this all comes down to. Oh, that's that's so great. Such good stuff. And and so since I brought up parenting, let's talk about our kids briefly before we wrap up. And you know, there's I'm not sure when um what the world's going to be like in the next months. There's a whole lot going on right now, but our kids are going through some things that I don't think we came close to going through when we were growing up. I mean, the world's just in a really weird place. And I think our kids are probably experiencing more fear, more anxiety, more unknowns, whether it's about school or social things, sports. Um, When our kids are walking through the hard good, do you have any language or any advice for us to help point them to how God can be near them in that process? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have such tenderness for our kids. I've watched my own kids through this, and and sure, they're in their 20s, but I think one of the most um, difficult ages for this pandemic has has been that mm-hmm. 18 to 22-year-old age, because it's a time that they're meeting people. That's a time that they should be engaging in college, where there's so much socialization, and I've, it's, I've just watched um, what happens there. You can't put them in front of a um, you know, you can't put them and give them crayons and, and, you know, insulate them. They, they fully know what's happening and yet they can't reach out. So, um, it, it, it's been so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very tender to this moms of all age, kids of all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things come to mind. First of all, you know, our children always respond in the way they watch us respond. And I think there's just a real strength and power in, um, you know, being very um, focused on your own faith walk and um, doesn't mean you have to do it perfectly. In fact, that I believe kids would rather see us um, be very uh, real about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean you bring them into adult issues and tell them all about your struggles. It just means that you don't um, spout off Bible verses constantly and act like that you have it all together. You, Mm -hmm. you know, you journey through this in a very normal way and Jesus being the answer. And, um, and I think something that I, 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 I go back to very simple principles that I fell in love with Jesus over and that I continue to love Jesus over. And it's there, there it's faith of a child, but it's things like, you know, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is good. He cares for us. He gathers our tears in a bottle. You know, Mm -hmm. things like that that are very comforting to a child and comforting to an adult, by the Mm way. Right. Um, And I write, there's a portion of the book that I write, and it's in chapter 10. 
And it, it, it's it, the title of it, it, of this section is called You'll Be Okay. And it is really, and I basically say, if you're reading this sentence and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, and He is your Savior, I can make the bold promise that you'll be okay. Because hmm. regardless of what happens in this world, you are going to the better life because this isn't it. And you will stop crying. You will stop hurting. You will be okay. And I think that is a message for our children that is very, very powerful. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so good. And for all of us, like you said, so powerful. Oh, well, Lisa, thank you for just writing this book, for sharing your heart. I know that there's just a lot of really tender parts of your heart that you shared in this book. I'm, I'm guessing probably more so than most. You've written a number of books. Um, but I just want to thank you for being vulnerable and honest and caring enough to share the lessons that you've learned with everybody who and who goes through the hard good. And I think that is everybody. If we're not in it now, if we haven't been in it, then it's coming, right? So such an important, important thing to talk about and to face head on. So where can people find you, your book, all your resources? Can you just tell everyone where they can track you down? Sure. LisaWhittle.com. And then really that's everything from the book to, you can take a free quiz to find out kind of how you're responding to your emotions, where you fit there. And um, you can get all the other book stuff. There's free stuff on there, podcast information, speaking, all of it. So yeah, it's everywhere. LisaWhittle.com. Yeah. All right. And you're on Instagram also as Lisa Whittle, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. Well, we'll be linking to all of that in show notes, but truly thank you for your time. I'm so excited to get this book out into the world. So um, I'll be cheering you on and thanks for being here with us today. Thank you so much. All right. Aloha. All right, friends. I hope you were encouraged by the things that Lisa shared. And I know if you enjoyed that, you'll find that much more in her new book, The Hard Good. So you can link to that book and where you can follow Lisa. All of that in show notes at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 124. Guys, I just want to thank you again for your ratings and reviews. If you haven't left one yet, it would bless me so much if you would just um, scroll right on down on your podcast app on your phone, find those five stars, tap on them. And if you don't mind taking a second to say a few things about what you love about the Boy Mom podcast, that is how people all over the world will find this podcast. Another great way to share it is to take a screenshot, put it in your social media stories, you can also just use the good old word of mouth and tell your friends, your neighbors, your your kids, teachers, or relatives about the Boy Mom Podcast. That blesses me so much to know that you guys are sharing it with your friends. And uh, if you've been encouraged, then you know other people out there need the same encouragement. Okay, so once again, hope you can be a part of the third Christian Parenting Digital event. Go to perfectlyimperfect.org. Grab your tickets now for October 15th and 16th. You won't regret it. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and until next time, aloha.